Have you guys ever just on a whim announced something and then realized you didn't talk to the critical people in your life that you should have talked to before you announced it to realize that what you announced was not going to work? Every man in here just raised their hand. I did that last week. So I announced last week that we are going to do something like a praise and prayer night, and it was going to be the alternating night of youth. And then I totally forgot that on one of the alternating nights of youth is our women's group here. So we got a new plan, and I'm going to send this out in a text and on Facebook. But our new plan, like this coming Thursday, the 23rd, 6.30 p.m., is our next women's group. So it'll be here at the church. Miss Lonnie's going to lead it. 6.30 this Thursday, so that's a third Thursday. Then the next Thursday will be a fourth Thursday. That's going to be youth. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the first Thursday. So that, that gets us the second, third, fourth Thursday. So the first Thursday, we are going to meet here at a time to be determined sometime between now and the first Thursday in February to just do some praise and worship um, and prayer. That's going to be the main thing. It's not going to be, I mean, it's going to be listening to music over the speakers so people can just truly worship however they want to and just pray, probably for an hour. So we'll have that set up so it'll be hopefully easily to remember. First Thursday will be the prayer and worship night. Second Thursday, youth. Third, third Thursday, women's. Fourth Thursday, youth again. If there's ever a fifth Thursday, we'll just do the worship thing again. Okay, so we'll communicate that better. I just apologize because I ran my mouth last week without talking to someone. That make what's that? Well, I'm waiting on a man to step up and lead it, just to be honest with you. So the question was, when are we going to do a men's group? My commitment was to get it through the end of the year, so I'm waiting on a man to step up and lead it. No pressure on the men. All right, so a few weeks ago, we started talking about some tools that we have to fight spiritual warfare. We looked at people and how God can use people to help us if we surround ourselves with the right people and we allow those people to help us. We don't want to surround ourselves with bad people. We surround ourselves with good people and allow God to use those people to help us. We looked at prayer and how we need to get to the point where it's the first thing we do, not the last or non-existent thing we do. We talked last week about communion, and we looked at how it is a huge tool to help us fight spiritual warfare, but often something we just don't do a lot. We talked about how we need to examine ourselves when we're taking communion to make sure we're doing it in a worthy manner, and we talked about every time we take communion, we're reminding Satan that he's defeated, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised to take us to heaven, and that is a huge tool, so we don't need to take that for granted. We talked about fasting and how we were starting a church-wide fast and how that's a big tool to fight spiritual warfare. We talked about how Jesus said when you pray and fast, not when you pray and if you fast, when you pray and fast. We talked about different types of fasting, fasting if we need to repent and change something in our lives, fasting if we need to cast out an evil spirit, fast, fasting as a form of worship and service to God, fasting to seek God's wisdom, and fasting to seek God's protection. And then we kind of finished up last week by encouraging you all to go on a 14-day fast with us. Um, if God is moving in this fast, please share that with us. Share that with us. Be ready to stand up and share it next week. So today, I'm just going to kind of continue on that theme, and I'm going to try to wrap this up today with these three tools 
that we can use to fight our enemy. So to start the first tool, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you guys have sinned this week? Who has not sinned this week? Okay. Who wants to come up here and confess their sin to us? This is unscripted. Hope it doesn't have to do with me. Uh, so one of the things the Lord's working on me about is obviously when you're fasting, you're giving God permission, or at least I do, to show or me anything I need to work on. And I kept hearing fear. And I was like, yeah, that's not what it is. I'm just, I've made that up in my own mind. And I just kept hearing that fear. And I was like, okay, Lord, what am I afraid of? And he said, a failure. And then I thought, wow, that's something that we all deal with. Whether it's fear of failure, I'm not going to be a good parent. Fear of failure, I'm not going to be able to get up here and give a good message. Be able to do praise and worship right be able to raise some kids that are not mine, um, whatever it is. We, we all struggle with some kind of fear from time to time. And the Lord kept showing me for myself, it was fear of people being called to do this ministry but not doing a good enough job in leading people to the freedom that God called us to walk people in. And so... Um, he just kept showing, you know, and he kept showing me other fears, and I was like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I get it. And, you know, fear of trying to be somebody you're not, um, you know, and, and I just really felt like the Lord said, the more that you humble me, I'm going to work in those areas of your life. Um, and so, you know, that's a big thing for me right now is the Lord's humbling me and just telling me every day that when you pick up, some kind of fear of, of worthiness, not being worthy enough or not doing as good of a job is that you think that you should be doing. God's still pleased with me and he still loves me. And then he reminds me about all the words that he talks about when it comes to fear. There's a ton of scripture on fear. And so just because we're doing what we're doing doesn't mean that we don't get hit up or that God isn't... Um, Showing us that we've got stuff we got to work on too. So that's that's for myself. Mine is just my confession for this week. As parents, we all fail. Um, this week I had my failure, and it hurt a lot when my son's own frustration became my own frustration, and then it just kind of blew up in both of our faces. Um, being in a split home is very difficult for him when, when it's not equal um, as far as, as beliefs and, and the things that you do. So it makes it tough on him. He's constantly in a battle that he doesn't understand. And I got into that battle um, with him this week, and it was very hurtful um, for both of us. But to see God um, come through in that with, to both of us, and um, we were able to sit down and talk about it. And when your son says, Mom, can you pray with me? I tell you, it just, it means a lot. And God is so good. And the, the more you serve, the harder the devil's going to fight, as we all know that. But I'm telling you, there's victory in Jesus. He gives and he takes away. 
He gives glory and he takes away the yuck. Wow, I didn't think anybody was going to take me up on that question. <laughs> How many of you, when I said, do you want to come confess a sin, cringed, tightened up, broke out in a cold sweat in 0.2 seconds? Got two hands, three hands, four hands, five. <laughs> so the tool I'm going to talk about is confession. See, when we, someone says, come and confess your sin, Oh, that doesn't seem like a fun thing to do. That's not something I want to do. And I start cringing and, oh, gosh, they're going to think all these bad things about me. Because our enemy wants us to bottle it up. Bottle it up. Hold it in. Don't tell anybody. Because if you tell anybody, they're going to reject you. They're not going to want to be around you. If you tell anybody, there's this new lie that comes in. You tell anybody, you're going to lose their trust. If we tell them what we've done wrong, we're going to lose their trust, right? Or maybe the lie is we're going to be asked to leave the church or leave a friendship or leave a family relationship. The point is Satan wants us to keep the sins in our lives pent up so he can absolutely torment us with lies about what we've done. So I'm going to say this morning that confession, confessing our sin is a huge tool to fight our enemy. 1 John 1, 8 through 12 says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So it doesn't say we don't have sin. It says if we claim we have no sin, we're lying. We're fooling ourselves. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Anybody in here want to call God a liar? Praise Jesus. <laughs> That would be a whole other sermon. So scripture says right there, we all sin. Right? We all sin. We know that from scripture. But if we confess our sins, he forgives our sins and he cleanses us. I think that's a key word there. So of course your enemy doesn't want you to, to confess your sin. Of course your enemy wants you to get all uptight when you're asked if there's sin in your life. Of course the enemy wants you to hide it because when you confess it, it's forgiven, and you're clean. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's two things there. Confess to each other and pray for each other, and you will be healed. Confess to each other and pray for each other, and you will, so that you will be healed. Now, I think we quickly go to physical healing. What if it's deeper than that? What if it's spiritual healing? What if it's emotional healing? Maybe physical healing as well. Maybe there's some of us that are asking God for some healing, but we're hiding and we're holding on to a lot of unconfessed sin, and we're not letting it out there where he can cleanse us and heal us. I think Satan knows if he can convince us to keep that sin on the inside, what does he do? He absolutely separates us from our creator. And he blocks our healing. So I want you guys to think of that. Often we pray for healing, and then we wonder why God doesn't show up. And I want to tell you, because of these verses, one of the first things I do when I pray for someone's healing, often in front of them, I ask God to forgive me for my sins before I even pray for their healing, because I don't want to be in the way of their healing. 
And sometimes we need to ask God to forgive us. We need to confess that sin before we go to him and ask for healing so that he can cleanse us, so that he can forgive us. You know, Jeff Stath is sick this morning. He was going to get up and say something, and I'm going to take a little stab at it, <laughs> but I'm going to ask him probably next week to come up and say it again. He's, he came up with a term he's called the Achilles anointing. So if anyone knows, there's a term called your Achilles heel. That term is meant the weak spot. What's the weak spot? What's the thing most likely to be broken? So you might look at a sports player and say, or a team and say, well, they're Achilles heels. They don't have a running game. Or they're, I'm looking at, at Lonnie wearing her Titans jersey, so sports analogy came to mind. You can say their Achilles heel is when they get pressure, the quarterback folds like a you know, cheap suit like Tom Brady, for example. Brazilian Patriots fans in here, you need to come up here and confess your sins so you can be healed and cleansed. <laughs> the point is, what Jeff's trying to say is God is showing him that what you think is your weakness is what God wants to expose this year. It's what God wants to expose so he can clean you up. But see, we know, every one of us knows what our weaknesses are. We all know that. Some of us have more than others. And what do we do? We keep it bottled up because I don't want to tell anybody. It's an insecurity. I don't want to tell anybody. Or maybe it's a sin. I don't want to tell anybody. If we're going to allow God to clean us up, we have to be willing to confess what we've done wrong. We have to be willing to confess the things we're hiding. Now, as a kid, that was tough because if I did anything wrong, I was scared to death I was going to have to go in front of the church and confess my sin because that's what some churches do. So I'm not talking about making someone come up front and confess their sin. I'm very thankful two ladies chose to come do that today, but I didn't expect anybody was going to do that, right? But there is power. There's power in confession. There's some people in this room that have had to confess things to me, and so they can hold me to this if I'm wrong. But when someone comes to me and tells me they've done something wrong, the first thing I try to do is look them straight in the eyes and say, thank you. Thank you for confessing. I don't give them a hard time. I don't ask them why they did it. I just say thank you because I know the power in that confession. I don't need to know why they did it. I don't need to know all the lies. If they want to go through that, that's fine. But I know that when they confess it, that's when God can cleanse it and that's when God can heal it. Now, this sermon is going to jump all over the place. You know, this isn't like a polished three-point sermon where all the items kind of line up because I'm going to jump right from confession to another one. Number two, I think God gives us a tool that we take for granted, and it's called angels. So we've talked several weeks. I tried to pound it home that there's a third of the angels that were cast to earth because they followed Lucifer, right? So what do we have fighting for us? Two-thirds. But do we understand the importance of that two-thirds? Do we understand the importance of what those angels can and will do for us? In Matthew 4... Jesus goes into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. So he gets baptized. This is the beginning of his ministry. He comes out. He's, he's a kid. He's born in a manger. He preaches one time when he was really young, and then he disappears for a while, and then he comes on the scene. He gets baptized. Then he goes to the wilderness immediately to fast for 40 days. I told you what happened to me when I fasted for one day. So Jesus was a lot more of a man than I was because he did it for 40 days. 
What happened, though? Satan showed up to tempt him, right? Any of you guys gotten tempted this week? You've started a fast? Satan tempted you a little harder than usual? Maybe I should have talked about that last week as a little bit of a warning of a fast. But anyway, Satan shows up to tempt Jesus. And, and we know the story he starts out, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus rebukes him with scripture. And he goes on, he didn't give up. Just because Jesus, the son of God, told him to stop, he didn't give up. And he says, if you're the son of God, jump off this cliff. Angels will protect you. And we talked several weeks ago about that's Psalms 91. That's scripture that Satan is quoting to Jesus. He just twisted it. He twisted the use of it, the meaning. Again, Jesus rebukes him with scripture. So Satan comes back a third time and says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just kneel to me. And Jesus again rebukes him with scripture. Here's the key verse, verse 11. It says, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. I want you to realize in that story alone, we got two references to angels. The first reference is in Psalms 91. Psalms 91, I'm just reading an excerpt. It says, if you make the Lord your refuge, not something of the world, not your possessions, not your family, not your relationships. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Here's the funny thing. Satan gave us that scripture. Right? Satan used that scripture and tried to use it against Jesus. But Jesus knew if he withstood Satan, God would actually send angels to care for him and protect him. No wonder Satan got kicked out of heaven. The idiot used scripture. And he reminds us in that scripture that we have angels that will protect us, angels that will care for us. Both references in that scripture, when he refers to Psalm 91, that's about angels protecting. And then at the end of that scripture, when Satan finally goes away, we know that angels come and take care of Jesus. So I'm going to focus on those two things this morning. Angels are there for our protection. And angels are there to care for us. Some translations say to minister to us. When you look up that word, it actually means like to bring you something like food or care to sustain you. I just want you to think about that. It, it just blows my mind. Jesus is being tempted by Satan, <laughs> tormented by Satan. And Satan throws up a scripture in that that will just remind Jesus that angels will protect him. So guys, when you're at your weakest point and Satan is attacking you, can you stop and say, God, send angels to protect me. I'm seeking you for my shelter, you for my refuge. Hebrews 1, 13 through 14 says, And God never said to the angels, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand. See, that place is for Jesus, right? He never said to the angels, Sit at my right hand a place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So that's what he said to Jesus. But here's the important part. So it starts out, God never said to the angels this, but he said, therefore angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. That's pretty cool. Angels are sent to care for people who inherit salvation. He didn't go through a laundry list of things that angels are supposed to do. Do you understand the power of the two-thirds of the angels that are on your side? And part of their job is to take care of us. 
We believe in Jesus. We're going to inherit salvation. We have angels to care for us and to protect us. You know, every night before I go to bed, whether it's with the boys or not, I pray for God to send angels to protect this barn because of the ministry done here, to protect our house, to protect our property, to protect our bodies, to protect our minds, our souls, our emotions, our will, to protect our spirits. Every time we drive somewhere, we stop and pray for God to surround our vehicle with his angels of protection. I just want to get this point across to you guys. There is power in praying for angels to protect you and to care for you at your weakest moments. That's their job. They're servants. Let them do their job. Let them come help you. I'm going to try to tell an example of a story that happened to Wendy one time, and she probably will correct me where I get this a little wrong. But she and a friend were going to San Jose, Costa Rica on a mission trip. So her and a friend, so these two teenage girls, are going to go to San Jose, Costa Rica. This is previous to 9-11 when you could pretty much just get into an airport and go wherever you wanted and get on whatever plane you wanted. And they got on the wrong plane and went to San Jose, Mexico. So they're going to go to San Jose, Costa Rica. They get on the wrong plane. They land in San Jose, Mexico. Anybody ever been to San Jose, Mexico? I don't think it's a good area. There were two men that helped them. And this is where I don't remember the story. I didn't ask her permission to tell the story. I didn't get a refresh. But there were two men that worked for the airline. Is that right? That helped them get a place to stay, helped get them on the right plane the next day or whatever. Later on, they came back to ask the airline who these two men were so they could thank them. Did you have names? Or they had names. They come back to tell the airline they want to thank them. And guess who doesn't work for that airline? So immediately some people were going to, whoa, that was really dangerous. Those two men could have really hurt them. But where I'm trying to get you to go is to realize maybe they prayed for angels and God sent two angels to protect them in a very dangerous place and to get them back on track to where they were supposed to go. Second story. We were in St. Louis and I have this problem of saying, come on, let's go walk somewhere. Or let's go on a hike. And I tell them it's like a mile and ends up being 14. I don't know why that happens. I'm optimistic. <laughs> and we're in St. Louis. You ever been to St. Louis? It's kind of like San Jose, Mexico, probably. You don't want to get in the wrong places at the wrong time. <laughs> There's no places in Chicago that are good. Anyway, St. Louis, we go there to watch baseball. And we're going to go to this museum, and we know where the baseball stadium is is safe. We know where the museum is is safe. The problem is I decided it would be smart for us to walk and get some exercise, and the areas in between not so safe. Sketchy to say the least. I was scared. Walking with my young family, I was scared. We prayed for angels to protect us. Parker was maybe three years old, two or three years old. He was in a stroller being pushed. What's that, buddy? Yeah, he was in a stroller being pushed, and he looked up, and he said, y'all see it? And he pointed to the top of a building. We're like, what do you see? And he said, there's an angel up there. He's protecting us. See, kids can see that stuff because they don't have all the years of doubt and everything that we have. So, guys, I'm giving you a couple of examples to try to hammer home. We have a huge tool at our that we can use if we just call on them. They're angels. That's their purpose. God said they are servants. 
They are servants. Only servants. They're only servants. They're not like Jesus. They're not going to sit at my right hand. (laughs) Wrong right hand. They're not going to sit at my right hand while I humble your enemies. They're going to care for people that are going to inherit the salvation of Jesus. You know, maybe it's far-fetched for you to believe that angels will protect you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to trust God's word, and I've seen it happen. And I'm going to continue to pray for it every day. And I want to encourage you to. Number three. You want to slap Satan in the mouth? How many people want to slap Satan in the mouth? I want to see more hands than that. Come on. Who wants to slap Satan in the mouth? Please tell me you ain't scared of him. The third weapon I want to give you is thanks. Thank God for everything. Thank him for the good. Thank him for the bad. Thank him for the indifferent that you don't know if it's good or bad yet. And when you thank God, you're destroying Satan. You get good news? Thank you, God. You get bad news? Thank you, God. When you clearly hear from God, thank you, God. When you ain't hearing jack from God, thank you, God. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. I'm not hearing from you, but thank you for whatever you're doing in my life. Whatever you're bringing me through right now that I don't understand. In other words, what I'm saying is don't let your circumstances dictate whether or not you're going to give thanks to God. Give him thanks all the time. Be thankful first. It's kind of like pray first, be thankful first. But the first thing in my prayer, if you ever hear me pray, most of my prayers are nothing but thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Is it possible if you change your attitude or your your response to God to thanks that it will completely change your attitude and outlook? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't say be thankful when good things happen to you. Be thankful when everything goes your way. Be thankful when you're clearly hearing from God. Be thankful when you're surrounded with completely good people that have their best intentions for you. He said be thankful in all things. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. See, some things, sometimes things happen and it doesn't fit into our time frames or what we want or what we think we deserve or what we think we've worked for. And we get angry at God and wonder why he's not doing something. And this says, thank him in all circumstances because just maybe he's doing something you don't understand yet. And you're going to look back a few years from now and say, God, thank you for that pain you put me through because it's the whole reason I can do what I'm doing right now. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, son, for the toughest question. Thank you, Lord, for the toughest question I've ever gotten in church. Parker said, should we thank him for the devil? Yeah, I'm going to thank him for the devil. And then I'm going to thank him for every tool he's given me to fight him. I've got a physical pain. I've prayed for healing. God, why aren't you taking away my pain? What are you saying to God? I know what's best for me, and you don't, and you've messed up. Don't do that. Or you could say, God, thank you for this physical pain I'm in. I'm trusting you for healing. You're the creator of the universe. You can take care of this. And you know better 
what I need than I do. So I'm going to thank you for it, and I'm going to thank you for the lessons you're going to teach me. And now you've shifted your focus and attention off what hurts so bad. I'm just giving one example of physical pain because that's easy. But you shift off of, woe is me, why didn't I pray hard enough? Does God not love me? Why is he not answering my prayer? To being thankful for something that doesn't make sense to be thankful for. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do and say, whatever you do and say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. This says give thanks to God whatever you do or say. Whatever you do or say. Whatever. Not some things. Whatever you do or say, give thanks to him through him to God the Father. Philippians 4.6. I'm about to rattle through some scripture. Philippians 4.6. Don't worry about anything. Another translation says, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. It didn't say thank him. It says thank him for what he's done. Don't lose sight of what he's done for you. I'm worried right now. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. But God, thank you that you've gotten me through all those other rough times. And I trust you're going to do it this time too. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Don't be drunk with wine. There's a whole sermon there. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I told you many months ago last year was listen to Christian music and fill your soul with good things. Why? Because I want to be walking around humming those songs because that's what this scripture says. I want to be walking around singing those psalms, singing those hymns, singing the spiritual songs, and thanking God for what he's done. Instead of walking around thinking about what's wrong and what's broken and what ain't going to happen. So in some of my darkest moments, when I don't think I'm hearing from God, when I think everything's imploding, I turn on Christian music and I start thanking God and everything changes. I didn't say my circumstances changed, my mindset changes. Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 106, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. It doesn't say give thanks to God when he shows up and does a miracle in your life and you're super thankful and reminded because he just showed up. It says give thanks to the Lord all the time and remember he's good. His, faith, his love endures forever. Maybe you don't understand what's going on right now. Maybe you don't understand the plan. Maybe you don't understand what you're being taught, but give him thanks. And guys, I could go on and on for hours with scripture. I did a, super, a simple Google search that said scripture about giving thanks to God, and it came up with pages of stuff. Pages. There's a ton of verses about fighting fear. There's a ton of verses about giving thanks to God. So I'm going to ask you, is your first question when things don't go your way, why God? Why God? Why is this not working? Why did this not happen? Or is your first response, thank you, God? You know, the story that kept coming to mind is David. David goes out and kills Goliath. It's a good thing, wasn't expected to do. And he knows he's going to be king, but somewhere in the middle of there, we forget about that thing where he got chased around for a while by the existing king that's trying to kill him. And oftentimes, David would be laying in a cave somewhere, cold, hungry, tired, fearing for his life. And what's the first thing he did? Thank you, God. 
Read Psalms. It's, it's full of it. Thank you, God. He prayed for protection, and he thanked God for that protection. He had faith. So I think when you can start with thank you, God, instead of why, God, your faith is growing, and you're giving that faith an opportunity to grow. You know, I gave you guys an example last year. In order to make this place happen, we had to cash in some, some retirement stuff, right? Well, I didn't know you had huge penalties to the IRS for that. <laughs> so in March of last year, I found out we owed the IRS a lot of money. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we owe the IRS money. That didn't feel good to say that. I'm just going to be honest with you. But you know what happened as soon as I said it? I quit worrying about what I owed and realized, yeah, God did give us these investments to be able to cash in to do his work. See, it totally shifted my thinking. Then I found out you could not pay the IRS in April and wait till October. Thank you, God, for a little more time. And for all those months, almost every day, I thank God. Thank you, God, for working this out. Thank you, God, for working this out. And then with help from people like Ryan as a CPA and our CPA that does our stuff, that number got knocked down two-thirds of what it originally was. I didn't say it was fun writing that check, but thank you, God. What if I had sat and worried for all those months? What if I had not thanked him? Would he have given me the people to help reduce that? I don't know. I'm just trying to encourage you guys that we need to get to a place where we see thanks to God as a huge weapon against our enemy. We, we tend to say things like, I don't want anybody to know my insecurities. I've got insecurities. I don't want anybody to know. But what if you looked in the mirror and said, God, thank you for my insecurities. Thank you for that thing I don't like. Thank you for helping me expose that to people I can trust. Because now I can work on it. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of the things I did before I was chasing Jesus all the way. Or, God, thank you for my past. Because I wouldn't understand all the pain in everyone else's life if I hadn't gone through it myself. can't believe I didn't get that job I wanted. I was so qualified. I need that extra money. Or you could say, God, thank you I didn't get that job. I don't know what you protected me from. Or if you got something better for me, but thank you that I didn't get that job. Why am I so weak in this area of my life? Or I could say, God, thank you for this area of my life that I'm weak in. Because I know the scripture says that where I'm weak, you're made strong. My point is, you're taking these things that are hitting you in everyday life and you're turning them back around and thanking God for them. I do it in traffic. <laughs> Driving down the road, I miss a turn. I'm like, crap, I was already going to be late. And I just missed a turn because I was thinking, not paying attention to the road. I probably was never texting or anything like that. I missed a turn, and I used to get stressed out about that because now I'm just later. But now I stop and go, God, thank you, because maybe you just helped me not have an accident. What if you're sitting in rush hour traffic going to another city out of town? You're like, oh, this is going to be an eight-hour drive already, and now I'm sitting in wreck traffic. Can you stop? And it gets very frustrating, and now you're angry at the people in the car with you because they're saying things over and over, little kids, and you can't get them to stop. Anybody been there? <laughs> what if you stop and say, God, thank you, this traffic stopped right now because maybe you kept me from having a wreck 17 miles up the road. 
I'm telling you, you can use this anywhere you want to use it. And if you think it's goofy, that's fine. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep confessing my sins and being vulnerable with you. I'm going to keep, uh, what was the second one I said? (laughs) Just seeing if y'all are listening. I'm going to keep asking angels to protect me and care for me. And I'm going to thank God when bad things happen. I'm telling you right now, guys, if you can get your arms around these tools we've talked about, letting the people that are in your life be a part of your life if they're good people and giving good advice and and listen to them and go to them. See, the confession thing's kind of tied into that people thing. If you pray first before you do anything else when something bad happens, if you go take communion when you've got a tough point in your life, if you fast when you need to make some important decisions or repent or need protection, if you ask God... Again, confess your sins and you ask God to send angels to protect you and you start thanking God for everything even when it's not good. These are all simple tools. They're simple tools you can use and you're absolutely defeating Satan. So I want all of you, I'll do something similar to what I did last week. I want all of you to close your eyes right now. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here or say it out loud, but I want you to ask Father God right now, Father God, what is that weakness? What is my Achilles heel? What is the thing that you're trying to bring to the surface that I'm so scared to come to the surface? What is that thing that you want me to conquer this year? I'm not asking you to conquer it today or tomorrow or this week. I'm asking for you to ask God what he wants to bring to the surface that he can fix this year. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the things you're exposing to people. Father, I thank you for the tools that you give us. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in how much the enemy has us or how strong he is, we just forget that all his tools, they're pretty weak. And I thank you, God, that you've given us simple tools They're so much stronger than his tools. And I just pray, Father, that everybody in this room or everybody listening to this will start to use these tools. And I thank you, Lord, that they're going to use these tools to change their life. I thank you, Lord, for what you're exposing to people that needs to come to the surface, Lord. And, Father, I pray they'll confess it to you so you can forgive them, so you can cleanse them. Father, if they need to talk to a human, I pray that you'll put that human on their heart. You'll show them who that is, and you'll prepare that person's heart for them to be a safe place for them. Father, I want this year to be a year of change. I want to change. I want to take away the the things that I've just learned to put up with, the things that I've said, well, even Paul had a thorn in the flesh, so it's just my thorn. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's rejection. You've learned to fight through it. I've learned to fight through it. Father, expose it to me so I can work on it this year. Expose it to these people so we can work on it, so we can go out and fight the enemy, so we can go out and bring souls to your kingdom and not be worried about this enemy that's been built up to be more than he is. 
Jesus, thank you for dying and shedding your blood so he's defeated. Thank you for every ounce of the beatings you took that probably most of us could never endure for our healing. Thank you for being broken. Thank you for dying a torturous death and shedding your blood so we could have a path straight to the Father. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.